Good evening, Starling City, and welcome to yet again another episode of Starling City Radio. I am one of your hosts, Alistair Kennedy, and here with me as always... Ross. Every week, man. <laughs> you think I'd be used to it by now, but it still really annoys me, because in my head it plays out how I want it to be heard. Damn you, Russ. Damn you, I just hell. like the fact that I have to listen to the previous episode to find out <laughs> what name I've used in order to sort of try and trip you up. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're, you are a supervillain explaining your evil plan, you know? Gets at the end. I know. Now I'm going to have to find another way to, to sort of <laughs> trip you up. Ah, for your, your very own season three, shall we say? It must be. <laughs> so, yeah, this is episode 20, whole 20 episodes along the line of Stanley City Radio. And uh, we're going to kick things off with a bit of news before we get into our finale discussion and our comic book of the week, which was Deathstroke Legacy. Ross, what news did we get hit with recently? We got the official title for <laughs> Zack Snyder's Batman Superman, which, unsurprisingly, is Batman versus Superman. I like the fact that Batman is first in the title, like first build, Batman, then Superman. Some friends of mine are saying that that's just because it's alphabetical. I reckon it's a wee hint that Batman's going to win because he's the first build. He's like the home side, Batman versus Superman. Obviously, any Americans are listening, they'll, they'll, they'll think that Superman's at home because of the way that they set out their versus stuff about. well but it would, it would, do you not mean if any kryptonians are listening then yes i mean ah uh, yes well superman <laughs> fans would also think that, that that superman would would win but still batman versus superman uh that's the official title thank god they didn't go down the route of man of steel 2 um yeah. so i'm glad that batman versus superman is now the more intriguing part is the subtitle to the main title which is dawn of justice now, if that isn't a proper like alarm bell towards a Justice League film, then I don't know what is. So I've got a funny feeling that this could be the first step towards DC's version of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you know, in the, the dawn of justice. So I think from now on, we'll probably start getting maybe Justice League films rather than just individual films. Um, I'm glad. I, I like it. I like the title and I like the way it's set out as well against the backdrop of the logo. And... Um, they still keep the same sort of font from the previous Man of Steel film. So we know it's still sort of in that continuity in terms of design. Uh, I really like the logo with Superman blended into um, Batman's logo too. And I like how the Batman logo is sort of fatter, which sort of puts in the Superman logo as well. And obviously the fatter Batman logo is a nod to Frank Miller's side of things. The Bat logo is cool. I don't know how well it's going to sort of take into like sort of re- when i say real life but like in in the cinematic way i mean for like the cartoon i have for the for the comic book and sort of on paper it looks cool i don't know what it's going to look like when he's actually fighting that big fat batman sort of thing i don't know but um but still we finally get to see that full logo as it is and we get to see the uh the superman logo again and it's also all frayed around the edges of the bat logo too which uh, could uh look into um Batman being old and weathered, as we know that that's going to happen. Uh, what did you think, Ali? Yeah, I, th- I, I, I like it. Dawn of Justice makes sense because they've already they've confirmed the Justice League movie now. And mm-hmm. like you said, this is their first step into cinematic universe because it's the first time ever Batman and Superman are appearing together on the big screen. Um, now, I've got a friend that is heavily adamant that Captain America 3 is going out to sell it. I can see his point because Marvel's doing well, but I'm sorry, Batman and Superman together 
a third Captain America movie people have already seen too. Batman and Superman? Nobody has seen that. Batman and Superman's going to clean up at the box office. Yeah. I, your friend's wrong. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's wrong. This is like... Um, this this is literally the first ever time we're going to see Batman and Superman, two of the most iconic heroes and iconic characters that's ever existed in any medium. Yeah. You know, on the same screen. I mean, everyone knows who Batman and Superman is. You know, Argu- so- arguably, ar- sorry, arguably, <laughs> that's not even a word. <laughs> arguably, even more po- even more well known like household names than I'd say the majority of the Avengers. Like to like. My mum, if I said, do you know who Iron Man is? She would say no, but she knows who Batman and Superman are. Exactly. I mean, you know, these are, yeah, as you said, I mean, Marvel, yeah, they have, you know, big, big names, you know, like the Hulk. People would know who the Hulk is and, and you know, but still the like, Iron Man, Captain America. See, before the Marvel Cinematic Universe well, was around, the- no one no one knew who they were, you know, but people still knew who Batman and Superman were. So, I think that it's going to outsell everything that entire, like even Star Wars, the the December beforehand, the Jurassic Park mm. that was in 2015. I know this is out 2016, but that is going to be the main thing. It's not even, it's it's not it's not going to outsell just because uh, you know it, it could be a good storyline or good action effects. Like even if the trailer was utter gash, people would still go and see it. A through intrigue and B because it's the first ever time we're seeing these iconic heroes on the screen and just. The moment I've I've just realised how massive this is going to be, and it's like, yeah. oh my god! Like, ha- I I can't wait till the promotional shot appears with Batman and Superman standing side by side in the genetic heroic pose yeah. that we're probably going to see. It's just going to be like, what? Uh, you know, you know, here's here's my prediction, Ross, and it's a bold statement. It's going to outsell the Avengers. I reckon it will as well. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, yeah, definitely, 100%. It's definitely going to outsell the event. It's going to outsell every uh, superhero movie at that point in time. You know, I don't know about the Justice League film that they're going to release. I think that maybe that might not outsell anything, but no. the, just Batman, the fact Superman? that this is... Yeah, yeah this is the... And again, this is the first DC outing since Man of Steel as well. It's, it's a long gap between Man of Steel releasing in 2013 and um, Batman Superman coming out. You know, that's like a three-year gap that we're going to be waiting for until the next film comes out. I mean, the way Marvel turns out, everyone sort of assumes we're going to have, like, a film out every year. This Which is sometimes the can degrade quality, in my opinion. Like, it's the exactly. same with the video yeah. game industry. If, if a company's forced to release a title every year, the quality slowly degrades. Yeah, and the more I look at the release dates, and I mean, yeah, as a fanboy, I'm peeved off that I have to wait till 2016 now. However, I'm I'm quite glad that at least they're open to delaying the film because obviously it just shows that Zack Snyder and the people behind them are taking their time and they're being careful about what they're doing with this. You know, as you said, because these two characters are so iconic that everyone who isn't even a fan of comic books still know who Batman and Superman are, you would want to take your time in order to make sure that you give out the greatest product you can possibly get. I mean, I, I I know folks that would never go and watch Superman. They're not a superhero sort of person. But they watch every single Batman religiously, and they will go and see this. Exactly, yeah. It's 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 appealing to every single um, uh, sort of like demographic. Yeah, every, every demographic. You know, people. Uh, as I said, like we've 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 had this idea of a Batman Superman film 
coming out for like 10, 20 years now, you know, way back in the sort of the mid 90s, I think Tim Burton was even sort of slowly into a Batman Superman film, but now it's actually going to happen. And now that we've seen the logo, we've seen what it's called, Batman versus Superman, Donna Justice, we're now going to see what they're going to produce. It's going to be amazing and it's going to outsell everything in 2016. I mean, this is no negatives towards Marvel because they're going to do so well as well, but this is going to be like an Avatar style, like, you know, um, uh, income, you know, like it's going to hit, it's going to be one of those top films, like, you know, hit at least the top five films of all time in terms of overall earnings. Um, and again, Captain American 3, which unfortunately is going to come out around the same date, uh, is probably going to be a fantastic film, but it's going to be so overshadowed by Batman and Superman and oh, any yeah. Marvel films of that year. Do you know, do you know if, if, if they were being confident enough or sensible, they would have scheduled Avengers 2, they would have pushed it to that date or, yeah. released, or released a new property, you know, rather than the third Captain America movie. It sounds like that was their original plan by having Avengers 2 in 2015, knowing that Batman Superman was going to be out in 2015. But then they've, because Batman Superman has now been pushed to 2016, it seems that maybe Marvel have already got their roadmap planned around that. Now and they're like, bugger, we can't really switch anything yeah, around. Yeah. So they've probably assumed that originally that, oh, yes, an Avengers and a Batman versus Superman film, we can take that head to head over the span of a couple of months. Yeah. Uh, but now they're kind of like shit. We've we've used up our our sort of yeah. major card in 2015, and Batman Superman are like, yes, we rule 2016 from now on. You know, I I, I, I maybe disagree with you on it outselling Star Wars Episode Seven, Ross. Ah, uh, yeah, I, maybe I went a wee bit too over optimistic for that one. I mean, yeah, I would Star say Wars you were right. Probably... Yeah, Star Wars is Star Wars is uh, it's kind of difficult to compare the two because I've got like. There's a lot of interest I have, obviously, in Star Wars. To me, is like a lifestyle almost. Um, yeah. To some people, not saying superheroes aren't, but I do agree when you said it will outsell every superhero up to that point, every superhero movie to that point, and possibly be one of the top ten um, box office taken at the opening weekend ever. I reckon. Aye, that that's what I was meaning before about the earning stuff. Is that I def I genuinely think it's going to be like at the superhero version of Avatar and like hit that top five yeah. or top ten sort of list. As for Star Wars, again, it's a completely different beast. I've got a funny feeling that I know we're on a tangent just now, but I've got a funny feeling that when Star Wars does come out, that's going to be the first ever time in my life I'm going to see a queue around the side of a cinema sort of idea. You know, when I'm sort of queuing up for Star Wars. The last so, the last um, time I seen one though, Ross. Like, like here's a counterbalance to that argument, bring us back on point. The last time I seen a queue was the premiere of Batman Forever in 96, 97, was oh it? Oh my god, Batman Forever. Uh, I remember going up and seeing that as well, but I don't think I saw it on like, the day it was released. So Yeah, I went to the premiere and my god, there was a queue and the, the bat suit, I felt so badass and then I seen the <sighs> film and I still loved it because I was a child and then I hated it because I came to that knowledgeable age and now I love it because it's so bad, it's good. Yeah, exactly. That's the way I just forget any critical analysis of Batman Forever and just enjoy it for what it is. I was actually singing Seal in, in, a, in karaoke a few days ago. Da, 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 yeah. I decided that every single soap opera at Arrow should start using Kiss from a Rose uh, every time that they have the Olicity thing comes up. Oh, Kiss yeah. from a Rose should start using, yeah. Totally. Yeah, I could see that working. You and I... So and I know that's the actual word she used, Ross, as well. Do you know? Yeah, I know it. 
<laughs> yeah. So um, yeah. Back 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 to Batman Superman. I'm happy with it. Um, I'm happier with the subtitle. I'm glad they kept Batman and Superman in the title because that was a placeholder and it could have, like you said, ended up Man of Steel 2 featuring Batman or something yeah. stupid. But Batman versus Superman is going to put bums in those seats. Yeah, and it also seems to highlight the fact that it's going to be about those two heroes, you know, yeah. and the, these are the guys that are built for that. You know, I've got a funny feeling that, like, the uh, um, uh, Wonder Woman... Uh, Lex Luthor and all those sort of characters are just going to be coming in as sort of um, glorified cameos. I've got a funny feeling that that's going to be the way it's going to play out. You know, again, I reckon Batman Superman is just going to set the scene for future films. You know, Lex Luthor will be there in the background as an omnipresent villain, a bit like how Slade Wilson has been in Arrow. Mm-hmm. Um, and I reckon that Wonder Woman will just pop in and out just to sort of set her up for whatever going to happen after Batman Superman. Uh, but I think the f- the film itself is just going to be these two iconic heroes just head to head. You know, different ideals, different perspectives of the world just going at it. It's going to be an interesting film. See, and see, yeah, I've got a prediction that kind of... I, I know what you mean by the cameos, but here's my prediction on the cameos. I think obviously... well. They might not be completely on each other's side by the end, but a greater threat's going to emerge. This film's not going to end in a happy tone. And um, because Batman's an older Batman, he's already got his Batcave and he's got his profiles of people. I reckon Superman is even admitting to Batman they're going to need more help. And on Batman's computer, he pulls up the profiles of all these characters and they just flash up and then that's the end. See, that would be even brilliant because then you could even just get a, a sneaky snapshot of... of Stephen um, of, of Stephen Amell. I mean... You know, people are sitting there and, and they come out, and I totally understand. And, and I am a fan of Arrow as well, obviously, because mm. of the podcast and everything. That and, and everyone's like, "Oh, you've got to be in the Justice League. You've got to be in the Justice League." Everyone keeps on forgetting that that Green Arrow wasn't in the Justice no. League until further in. So you know, there's there's a good chance that and apart from like, well, Flash is the only one that's like the mainstay foundation of the Justice League. But Green Arrow, even when he was part of the Justice League, didn't want to be in the Justice no, League. No, he was, he was so, always working against them. So like you said, yeah. that would be perfect. Like, that's all they would need, just a flash of Ammo's face among the potential candidates for to help Batman and yeah. Superman. Grant Gustin and Stephen Ammo, we just need to see a flash of them in Dawn of Justice for us to then go, it's totally in the same universe. Boom. Yeah. You know, and they that's don't need to touch on it ever game. again. They don't need yeah. to touch on it. Nope. And by the time Justice League arrives, uh, Grant Gustin might look a bit older, but then again, they could have a younger Flash. Why not have a younger Flash? As long as he proves he's acting chops, uh, uh, you know, in the Flash series, he's going to have two seasons in his belt by the time this arrives, so they could call him up easily. Do you know what I mean? Well, that as well. And remember, we're, we're four years away until the Justice League film comes out, so yeah. there's a good... I mean, like I'm pretty sure we've both aged, you know, in four years, so this, this baby-faced Flash that we've seen in the trailers will end up becoming older, so like, you know, so there is a good chance that Grant Gerson will be able to stand up to the likes of Henry Cavill and... Um, I have totally forgot his name. I was about to say Brad Pitt, so don't slap me, please. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Ben Affleck. <laughs> I can't believe I was going to say Brad Pitt. <laughs> Brad, Brad Pitt is uh, Batman. That, I think that would be oh, yeah. Batman forever, personally. That would be so funny. That would be hilarious. And then Matt Damon as Robin. Uh, Matt Damon needs to be into it, though. <laughs> Matt Damon better not be Aquaman, though. There's plenty of candidates. <laughs> that would be so funny. 
<laughs> so we better yeah, move on yeah. get on to some Arrow stuff, Ross, but all in all, we're happy with it. Do we have any other news this week? Yes, we do. Um, John Barrowman has been upgraded to a series regular for season three, which is quite intriguing considering how the finale played out. Now, yes. there's been rumours around that John Barrowman could be the main villain of season three, and Stephen Amell himself has said that the villain of season three is not going to be omnipresent like Slade Wilson was. He's going to like be in the mix and like be a sort of a notable threat throughout the whole series rather than that sort of like in the shadows type thing. Tie that in with the fact that John Barrowman has been upgraded to a series regular. We could see maybe Merlin being some form of the main villain for season three, which would be quite interesting. Mm. Do you know, um, I've, that ties in nicely with a question I've got from uh, one of our listeners. Oh, he's, a, he's asking, do you think we'll see more metahumans or some of the more extraordinary characters from the DCU appear in Season 3, Season 4 of Arrow? Now, here's my thoughts. Solomon Grundy. I want to see him as a main villain um, because we obviously met Cyrus Gold um, and we've seen that he get thrown into the acid and it was indestructible. And I want to see him come back as a full-on Solomon Grundy Hulk style character, you know. So yeah. I think we will see more metahumans, and my reason behind that is because Flash has set up metahumans in the teaser trailer straight away. Like we began to see them with the Mirakuru, but because of the accident in Star City, I think the majority of them will remain in Star S, not Star City, <laughs> Central City. <laughs> <laughs> the majority will stay in Central City for Barry Allen to deal with, but I think some will leak through, and the whole metahumans will become a part of Arrow's life as well. What do you think, Ross? Well, I had the same conversation with a couple of other mm. uh, listeners. Um, a shout out to Gordon and Anthony if they do listen. I have a funny feeling they don't. But anyway, uh, <laughs> we had this conversation um, about the whole metahumans type thing, and they brought up a really good point. They were saying that they're worried that Flash could go into the Smallville territory in the way that... Um, all the metahumans uh, come from the failed experiment in the um, uh, at Star Labs. You know how in Smallville, a lot of the villains of the week were created by the different fragments the meter, of the meter storm. Of, yeah. yeah, of the meter storm, the kryptonite, and that's what sort of sorts set up a lot of the villains. They were starting. I'm I'm a little bit concerned that that could be the same. They're going to tread down that sort of Smallville route, and it highlights that fear that you uh, mentioned last week. I think about how you're too scared that whether or not Flash might have actually gone down the Smallville idea too. So hopefully I'd like to see a lot more metahumans. I would like to see the likes of Solomon Grundy, but I would hope that the reasoning behind the metahumans, they don't just like lean on the Star Labs explosion and the Merakuru as their crutch. I hope that they'll be able to come up with a bit more of a creative way of introducing, I mean, you know, other, uh, uh, you know, metahumans. Understandable of a couple were, you know, involved in those two major events, Mirakuru and the Star Labs explosion. But it would be nice to know that there's there, there's other reasons and other explanations for these metahumans to come about. I would I I would like to see Cyrus Gold as well. Uh, I think it'd be fantastic to see him there, especially now that we know that being in the Mirakuru, uh, the Mirakuru doesn't mean that you die. So even though it looked like Cyrus Gold had died, we all know he was Mirakuru pumped up, so it means that he's not really technically died. Um, the reason I'm saying that is because if you remember, Isabel Roshev was dead and she was given the Mirakuru and she came back alive. So there is a chance that Cyrus Gold has crawled himself into the sewers and could become Solomon Grundy, which would be fantastic. Um 
As for other metahumans, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I want to see them. I think it's a very nice setup. You know, it's taken them two years now to get to the metahuman uh, side of things. And uh, as long as they take a nice pacing and they give reasonable explanations behind each metahuman, then, um, then yeah, it should be good. It'll be good to interest. And it'll be nice to flick back and forth with Arrow being a very um, grounded, uh, brooding... um, a sort of politically maybe orientated uh, 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 TV show in the sense that you know you, you sort of see hand-to-hand combat, you see a guy with a bow fighting criminals, whereas in The Flash we get to then uh, indulge into these fantastical metahumans, a bit like Weather Wizard that was seen in the trailer and obviously mm. The Flash being a metahuman himself. Oh, and Reverse so Flash. It, yeah, and, and Reverse Flash was obviously seen as well. So it'd be brilliant to see. It'd be brilliant to tune in on a Tuesday night when uh, that's when the Flash is going to be shown. Tuesday night to see this fantastical metahuman superhero comic booky feel, and then tone it down a little bit when you watch Arrow on the Wednesday night with the sort of usual brooding Nolan esque style, um, you know, city romp with uh, with Oliver Queen. So yeah, it's it's going to be a really good balance between the two shows for anyone that's interested in DC comic books. Um, and then obviously, uh, just a wee shout out to Constantine that gets aired mm. on the Friday. So basically, you're going from fantastical metahumans to dark brooding, uh, dark brooding hand to hand combat and arrow to supernatural beings on Dude, the Friday that's night. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Things. So I mean, th- this is a fantastic time to be a DC fan. It's a oh, fantastic you've, you've got Go- Goth- Gotham as well. And then we also have Gotham on the Monday night that's getting aired. Ah. So literally, it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then Friday, chock a block, four days a week of pure awesomeness that will be DC comic books. And I think DC are starting to show how clever they've been so far by sending out their properties to different places. Um, obviously. This is the Arrow podcast, so we won't go too much into other things. But again, you know, it's going to be a great time for DC fans and a great time for fans of television too. And uh, this whole metahuman side of things will be interesting to see how they play that out. I hope they don't go down the Smallville route, as I just explained. But it'll be, it'll, I'm looking forward to seeing their creative solutions and creative explanations behind these metahumans that are going to appear. So Yeah, definitely. Um, I also had a discussion... Um that I can't remember right now, so I'll come back to it. <laughs> oh, I had it in my head there, man. I was just thinking, I had the discussion with Andy about Arrow, and I can't remember what it was regarding, so sorry, Andy, I can't mention that on here, but I'll get to it. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, any other news we've got, Ross, or questions? Uh, no, that's really it. It's just more the sort of leaking of the casting news, which is just John Barrowman um, being done as a... Uh, upgraded to a series regular for season three uh and Stephen Amell came out with a couple of sort of you know we sort of leaks of information just sort of describing the overall tone um of season three will be about rebuilding and uh, so obviously we're going to see a lot of Oliver Queen trying to gain back Queen Consolidated you know um is Queen Consolidated going to be bought over by Walter you know or is or is um is he going is Oliver Queen going to find a way to get it himself or could a mysterious buyer come in and take it from Oliver Queen and Walter? So we don't really know exactly how this is going to play out. It would be hilarious if Thea ended up uh, owning Queen Consolidated. And well, to- I'm calling it now. Tommy Merlin, Laz- <laughs> Lazarus Pitts. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, I'm going to write that down just to just to keep that in mind for for season three. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. So that's basically there seems to be a a couple of sort of buzzwords that are being kicking about for season three in the sense that it's re- all about rebuilding um, after the finale. But apart from news, that's really it. I'm afraid, and I think over the next couple of months we're going to be uh, running dry in terms of Arrow news unless casting gets put all, put out or whatever. But yeah, mm. that's everything. Awesome. So we'll branch into our comic discussion of the week, which was, um, I, th- I think we, we mutually kind of agreed it was chosen by kind of both of us. It was Deathstroke uh, Volume 1 Legacy, which I believe collects issues 1 to 8. But we did read the Zero issue, which came out later, um, because that kind of covered a bit of his origins. So, um, Ross, tell us a bit more about this one. Yeah, um, it's, it's a nice sort of introduction to Deathstroke in terms of... Uh, the um uh, for 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 the new fifty sorry I, I completely forgot what what it was called <laughs> new fifty two <Yes. laughs> it was it, it was a great interest in Deathstroke in, in the new fifty two I like the book in the sense that it managed to blend pre new fifty two Deathstroke with new fifty two I'm not talking about continuity I'm just more talking about uh, the uh, the the sort of style of writing and the character itself personality traits and everything uh, which was fantastic. Um, yeah, so it follows Deathstroke, and basically it's all about him uh, taking on his contracts and him up against the competition. Each issue is quite self-contained in the sense that each issue sort of sees him g- given a contract at, at the beginning by his uh, sort of butler-type guy, and uh, him going out for the, the sort of contract and you know, well, you know, completing the contract and getting the money. Um, in terms of the first sort of section of Deathstroke. Uh, when I did read it first, I kind of thought that it was going too close to Green Arrow, the Midas Touch. I know it's volume it's volume one of Green Arrow, the New 52. We're not really supposed to talk about it anymore purely because it's that bad. Yeah. Uh, the reason the reason why I was thinking it was like siding towards that is because it literally had him meeting up with three other young people. Oh, yeah. I uh, forgot about that at the start. Yeah. I was like, oh, no. Yeah, Don't do like, it to him. Yeah. It was like that young hip kid sort of idea, you know. And it was just like, yeah, we've got all these tech weapons and stuff. But what was brilliant about it is that uh, <laughs> you then see Deathstroke just killing them, right? And it's sort of like not because they're doing anything bad to him. It just sits. It just goes. I didn't want any more competition. <laughs> it's like okay. It's like I'm not splitting this four ways. I'm just having it myself. So that sort of sets up this like proper brutal violent uh, book with the greatest highlight in the whole of volume one was seeing the guy he's up against throw a submarine into a building <laughs> it was like what is going on and uh, we just see Deathstroke just being as brutal as he is and the way it's written it makes him feel like a hero but we all know he's supposed to be a villain but because he's the main guy he kind of it's like you see worse people than Deathstroke that he's up against and you do root for the guy, and it's really well done. And I think, if I remember really, Grant, uh, Grant, his son appears in it as well. So it's a nice tie-in with the whole family uh, dynamic that was captured in the in the before New Fifty Two. It's great to see it bringing into the New Fifty Two. Um, and also, it's just uh, the guy's just so badass. I mean, every page that you go through, you literally just see some crazy stuff going on, and the look and style of Slade is brilliant. And um, people that have been following Arrow so far, if you get a chance or if you have read Deathstroke Volume 1, you'll probably love it a million times more because you can really see that Manu Bennett 
uh, the actor has really fine-tuned the character of uh, of Deathstroke, which is brilliant. And um, yeah, it's it's just really really good. It's just batshit insane to be honest. And it's such a shame that this that the DC cancelled it at first because the sales are so bad. Um, because there is really nothing wrong. I mean, there are a couple of weak links in Volume One, and you know, uh, it doesn't. Maybe they were looking for a, maybe a bigger punch to it. And the brutality and violence within Deathstroke might have put a lot of people off in terms of buying it. Uh, however, if if you understand Deathstroke and, and you like to watch an assassin just kick ass, then Deathstroke's definitely for you, you know. And um, I know Volume Two was released, but Deathstroke's been cancelled since then, and it's not come back yet until Suicide Squad in September, when that restarts. Deathstroke's making an appearance again then. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed it. What did you think, Ali? Because I'm assuming this is your yeah. first ever Deathstroke yeah. comic book that you my read. first yeah. ever Deathstroke. And uh, yeah, I liked it. Um, I'm glad I'd seen Arrow because I wasn't too familiar with Deathstroke beforehand. Um, I knew he was involved with the Teen Titans and basics of his past, but this is a perfect restart for someone like me that doesn't know. It ties in his son, and his son does appear at the end, and it turns out he was behind it all, and he's one to like take beat his dad because his dad was always forcing him to compete, you know, to prove himself. And the the ch- the kids that he killed at the start, like the whole overarching storyline, the whole legacy title was that um, one of their parents is hiring all these assassins to take out Deathstroke, but they demand that they wear the legacy suit in her favourite colours. And all these different guys try different ways to try and take out Deathstroke in a sort of half-powered Iron Man-style armour. Yeah, it looks like a bit like a bug sort of idea, like with the sort of six eyes or light sort of in there, and that's where one of them's wearing the legacy armor that throws a bloody submarine yeah, in somebody, that building. That's right. <laughs> that was. I mean, it's full action, this comic. I mean, there is still a storyline. It's Deathstroke trying to prove, because he's in his old years, which is kind of cool that they didn't restart him and make him kind of younger again. They've left him in his older years that people are kind of mocking him and saying that he's lacking and that he should just give it up, and he's trying to rebuild his own name. Um, so I know what you mean by it's still kind of ties in with it's not a complete restart for Deathstroke I mean you don't see him like at the start of his career I mean zero issue yes of course as with many of the zero issues for New 52 covers his origins and I like those the origin story it was him falling in love it showed you him um, becoming the soldier and being trained to um, not just look in front of him but all around him by the woman that he ends up marrying that was his drill sergeant I'm sure the blonde chick yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And they they obviously have a kid, and uh, I think they adopt. Um, can't remember his name. He's a sort of computer kind of guy. Oh, I, I can't remember either his name, but I know the one you're talking about. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, well, they, they they adopt him, and um, yeah, issue zero is nice. It's a nice way of like finally balancing between like the origins of Deathstroke, but still keeping it in tune with what's going on. Like you you, you know like the the better like the way the way the way that Deathstroke's done. Is such a way where as long as you know he's an assassin for hire, then you can just jump into, you know, yeah. legacy easy and issue zero too. Um in the sense that, you know, like he is this old timer, he's out to prove that he still has it. And it's ingenious how they've written that in because you begin to see his tactical ability and like, you know, that he actually has brains. He's not just a mindless killer, which is the reason why he manages to get to overcome a lot of the events in Legacy. And issue zero, you actually sort of like begin to realize and learn how he managed to get to that point so it's kind of like a flashback or a bit like an arrow flashback when you read issue zero at the end of issue eight and you sort of like go oh yeah so that's why 
like all this sort of interconnects, you know, and it's it's really really cool. So it's good. Yeah, I mean, um, I I really enjoyed it. The art was nice. The whole story. It started out, and I thought, like you say, I forgot all about that part. But see, when you're reading it, I went, oh, my God, Ross said this was good, and he's been teamed up with kids. They're not going to make it Team Deathstroke. And then in the last issue, I think they'd done that kind of on purpose as a total, like, throw to throw you off. And then he turns around and just kills the lot of them without even hesitating for no reason apart from it. I'm not shading. Yeah, and I think he, th- he, throw- he throws a knife in the woman's head as well. Yeah. And he just goes for everyone. And he's just like, why did you do it? And he's like, just got to win a competition. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and oh it, my God, it's totally at the, end, at the end of the book, he does take out the mother and father, but before they die, they've said that they've left enough money for it to continue even after their death. So there's always going to be somebody appearing as legacy to try and take them out. And then that's when the, re- the full reveal shows that it was actually Deathstroke's son all along who and this is introduces Ravage. Uh, Ravager, well yeah, sorry. well yeah, Grant Grant would be would have would become Ravager uh, in the well, sense he was, the title. He, he was introduced in this and it showed you him like it flashed back that he was given the Ravager suit, which yeah, yeah. if you did the zero issue, it was Deathstroke's original suit when he became a Merc for Hire, which yeah. is kinda cool. It's, it's quite nice how they manage to tie everything in as well. And obviously, like, the family dynamic still appears in the New 52 in the sense that, you know, he was always at loggerheads with his with his, with his daughter and his sons, um, you know, during the old school New 52. And it's nice to see that bring him back in again, you know. And in all honesty, if you were the son of Slade Wilson, you know, you would you would hate him. <laughs> so it's it's nice to have that kind of coming in. And it's, it's good to have that sort of plot twist with Grant sort of being the mastermind behind the Ox, it still, again, shows the Wilson family do have brains. And I'm just looking forward to, A, Deathstroke um, coming back in its own comic book, hopefully maybe after the Suicide Squad run that he's going to be involved into. But also, I want to see Deathstroke um, go up against the new 52 Batman, because I think that would be quite cool. Yeah, that would be good. Yeah, um, but then again, like we said before, Green Arrow's done one thing Batman never has been able to do. He sent Deathstroke to prison. Exactly, yes. yes. So, so uh, yeah, that's about all I've got to say about it. Um, unless you've got any finishing comments. Uh, no, I mean, well, just just to sort of wrap up in the sense that it's a, it's, it's a good book. Uh, it's, it's better than how people have perceived it, you know. And again, it's such a shame that the sales were so low that, uh, that it got cancelled. Uh, you know, the artwork's great. Um, obviously, the... Uh, I don't know whether or not they might rechange his costume in the sense that maybe that sort of spandex-looking style after, obviously, Arrow being aired might get sort of switched over. Um, the writing's strong enough, you know, it's it's good, and it, it provides you excitement and stuff. And if people are intrigued as to who Deathstroke is, it's a great place to start, especially if you want to just stick with the new 52 universe and you don't want to delve into the previous stuff with DC. Um, mm. Obviously, the previous stuff with DC, his big thing was the Teen Titans, uh, the Judas Contract, I think it was called where infiltrated that and you get more of an idea of his tactical abilities. But the new 52 Deathstroke in Legacy, you still get to see that tactical ability. And it's made even stronger because you know he's a point to prove because he is this old-timer and everyone's just written him off anyway. And it's great to see him, like, you know, uh, kick ass, basically, you know, and show that even though he looks old and he's a silver fox, that he still manages to sort of, you know, act yeah. like a younger mercenary again, you know, and he's still a formidable opponent to anybody, even in a meta-human suit that mo- the majority of the people are fighting him in uh, take on. So, you know, I mean, he took down a guy who could throw a bloody uh, a submarine into a building. So, you know, yeah. like that, 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 that's saying something to the guy, even if he is old, he still has it there. So, yeah, yeah it's good. And, I mean, again, 
you know, we we decided to cover this book purely because of his new Fifty Two. Uh, sorry, not, uh, his Arrow connections, and um, yeah, folk who love Manu Bennett and as Deathstroke will really enjoy Volume One Legacy. Yeah, I think it's perfect for folk that watch the TV show more than and maybe dabbling comics now and then. If you watch Arrow and you love Deathstroke and you love, um, you you just you just like him. I, I would definitely say pick this book up. Um, but anyway, we've got to move on. How many arrows out of your quiver are you firing at this title, Ross Shaw? Three arrows. I'm going to give you yeah, three arrows. I mean, it did it did fail in certain mm. areas, but three arrows is a nice a nice sort of average pace to go for. You know, yeah, I, I, would, I would I would agree. I'd say three as well are coming out my quiver because three is enough. It wasn't as good as some that we've read, but it wasn't a bad comic. So there was some parts where it became like. It was trying to be overarching, but it became, like you said, standalone issues, which is mm-hmm. fine. But I can I could pick faults if I really wanted to. But it's an enjoyable enough book. Um, and as for next week, the plan was to read Arrow Volume Two, um, which isn't actually released till next Tuesday now. So, what's the plans, Ross, on a book for next week? Um, I, in all honesty, I I misread the dates for Amazon, and I genuinely thought Arrow Volume Two was going to be the next one up as well. Um, so uh, I think we should stick with Arrow Volume Two. I reckon. I reckon. You know, once we've had we've come over the overcome the shock of the finale, we should come back in with Arrow Volume Two. Um, ah. I, th- I, th- I think that's a nice wee thing. You know, well, I mean this. This book, you can buy the single issues already digitally, so we could do it that way, but the actual collection is out next Tuesday, so if we record next Wednesday, odd, as we, we've kind of swapped from a Sunday to a Wednesday now, so Wednesday, if we do it Wednesday or Friday night, the book will be out in plenty of time, so... Yeah, that'd be yeah. fine, yeah, yeah, no problem at all. Yeah, I reckon, yeah, I think we should do Arrow Volume 2, it's very fitting as well now, the fact that we've come to oh, the yeah. end of the, of the series, and... Yeah, we'll hit up with Volume 2, I reckon, folks. Awesome. And this is obviously the follow-up and last part, sadly. I really was enjoying it. It was kind of, The first book was a collection of like stories that tied into the show. And this one is more of the same by Andrew Kreisberg, um, Victor Drugini, and Mark Guggenheim is the author. And the last one was really good. And it even had Mike Grell in the last one. So I don't know if he's in this one. We'll need to wait and see. I've not picked it up yet. But I've got it pre-ordered. So it'll probably be here Monday, Tuesday anyway. So... Yeah, try and get a hold of that one, folks. Pro- probably on the DC app if you're listening to this and reading along. But if you're behind, it's in the shops now. Go get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so finally, we'll move on to our finale talk. See, see what I did? I, I, like, right. I like what you did there. That was good. <laughs> okay, so on Wednesday last week, it was the end of Arrow for four months. I know. Four months, Ross, and I've already started like six new TV shows and they're not even filling the gap. I'm not, well, even, I'm not even bothering anymore. As I said to you on the Facebook <laughs> chat uh, uh, earlier on this morning, I woke up today uh, you, yeah. know, you know, expecting an Arrow episode waiting for me and no, lo and behold, there was nothing and I was so I was so distraught and disappointed and then it made me real. And like this past week up to like recording, I'm like, it's been so long already, you know? I still have to wait till September, October. It's like, no. I did feel sorry for you last week. Uh, This morning, last week. What year is it? Damn it. Yeah, yeah, um, so anyway, the finale uh, appeared on our screens. And I've just got to say, wow. Yeah, it was was everything. 
everything that could possibly happen happened. Everything that was resolved was resolved, and everything that you could possibly think that was awesome about it was awesome. Like, I was trying to work out exactly what I was going to say today, apart from just saying awesome, but I'm just going to have to say awesome anyway, because it was awesome. (laughs) (laughs) It was brilliant. I mean, it was a great conclusion to to, uh, Arrow versus uh, Deathstroke, you know, like all that wrapped up very nicely, and uh, it played out very well. Everything was answered, you know, and uh, on top of that as well, uh, Roy Harper, who we haven't seen that much of in season two, uh, I felt that he had the greatest story arc in um, in the finale, and I, I was really impressed how they managed to condense such a sort of highly complex character in such a short space of time very well, and they executed it quite well as well. So Roy pretty much got himself set up to be an Arsenal at the end of it. As I said, uh, Slade Wilson and Oliver, uh, all that side of things was all wrapped up with Slade being put in jail. And um, the the greatest thing of that finale, the thing that, that impressed me so much that I had to rewatch it a couple of times, was the inter was a sort of like the combination of the past and present when Slade and Oliver were fighting, oh, and it yeah. was like jumping back and forth between like the recent fight and the the past fight on the ship, and the way that it was cut and the way it was did flowed so well that I was just like, oh my god, this is the greatest thing ever. <laughs> It's so good because it didn't break up any, like, you know, what we see in the flashbacks is like you get up, you build up in the present, then all of a sudden you're back to the flashbacks. This was just done simultaneously to the point where I was just like, what is going on? This is so good. Uh, It was amazing. And and it ended obviously with the squelch of the arrow going in the eye. It was just that choice where he he, he could have cured him there and then, and he just decided to take him with the eye. And it was obviously he didn't cure him when. um, uh, Slade says that he will find him no matter what so he decided to try and kill him there and it just set up everything it was so so good and uh, it was just it was just brilliant and there's so much like there wasn't a lot of cliffhangers at the end of it which was I was quite impressed with and, and I enjoyed that in the sense that you know you, you fair enough we're, we're, we can't wait to the next episode or for mm. season 3 to start but it, it's, it's not left me annoyed at the fact that they've no. left any like loose ends and uh, but there was enough change to have season three to be like, oh my god, what's going to happen next? You know, Stalin Six has been ravaged by this sort of mini war that happened within the city, and um, it also sets up the fact that you know Amanda Waller sort of looked like a bit more of an evil person by blocking off the city, trying to destroy it. So does that mean Argus is going to become a bit more of an enemy? In terms of the flashbacks as well. We now see Oliver in Hong Kong, and it's like, oh my God, what's going to happen next? And you know, there's there's so many things that it's sort of subtly set up that's making me really want season three to start tomorrow. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, it was just brilliant. And I, if I had to give, if I had to give it some negatives, which I don't want to, but I suppose trying to be as um, as neutral as possible. Um, neutral? I, this is Damaro show. I know. I know. <laughs> uh, I did find. Uh, some of the scenes were a bit anticlimactic. For example, after we had that massive interplay between the past and present fighting, and I was so on the edge of my, uh, my, edge of my seat, and you know, adrenaline was pumping, and then all of a sudden we cut straight to um, Laurel uh, saying goodbye to uh, to Sarah, you know, and it's kind of like, whoa, that's like, you know, fair news, like. Yeah, it's, it's like fair dues that, you, that you've built ourselves up, but you need to slowly calm us down. You can't just go straight to just like, normal, boom, everything's fine. She's going away, blah, 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 blah. And obviously, well, Quentin Lance 
um, is left. It's, it collapses. He's not dead yet, but he could be dead. Um, be. I was I was a bit upset that no one close to Ollie did actually die. I was kind of hoping that Felicity would have died. I know it's bad, but I was kind of hoping that that would happen. <laughs> uh, just because I would have said that I was right. And uh, also the fact that I felt that it did need maybe a, a major death to happen. But I can understand that it didn't because we did have Moira dying two or three episodes prior. So it might have been a wee bit too much to go on. Um, so yet emotionally... It was a little sort of lacking Under, emotionally Underground. again. Yeah. However, um, it was still amazing. And we got to see Roy. And it's just like, oh, my God, what's going on? And that battle in the tunnel was great. And the League of Shadows were involved. And we got to see Thea become a crazy-ass tough bitch as well. And, you know, it set up so much. And the, the theories are just going everywhere in my head. It's mental. Yeah. Um, the one thing that I did like is, like you said, Roy, full in mask, red bow, badass. Uh, I like the League of Assassins coming back, and I like Nissa's new outfit. The big fight in the tunnel, if that doesn't win action scene, fight scene of the TV awards uh, this year or next year, uh, someone's doing something wrong. Yeah, um, I mean, the production value of, yeah. of, of Arrow as a whole, like, of this season, as well as the finale, has just been phenomenal. Like, oh, yeah. I've not seen the choreography and the production value uh, on, on a TV show ever until Arrow's come about. You know, they've really pulled all the stops in this and yeah. hopefully it continues into season three, but it was just brilliant what it did. It was fantastic. Yeah. I, really I agree with what you said. Like, when I finished, I went, I'm glad that they kind of closed most of it off. They've kind of, they've left a lot open, obviously, but they've closed enough off that I wasn't like, no, how am I going to survive four months with this hanging over me? Apart yeah, it, from... A few things that we'll get into in a minute. The first thing, like um, proven to Andy, who's insisted that how can Laurel be Canadian? Me and you have both said to Andy, she will be. She's the one to marry Oliver. Um, we obviously had the departure of Sarah, who gave her jacket that she wore as Canadian to Sarah. Yeah. And Detective Lance, before he collapsed, made the comment, don't get any ideas. <laughs> yeah, it was good. I, I like what they're doing. And I think... I've had other friends as well saying that, kind of like, going, oh, how the hell can she be Canadian? We've not seen anything happen. I, I think I think people are not understanding that it's it, this is going to be such a slow, long story or, or characterization that she's not going to be Canadian by the end of season three. You know, she's not going to be Canadian probably even in season four. It's but possibly it's going, to going to happen in five, season yeah. five, you know? I mean, this is literally the first sort of subtle um, foundation laying of... <laughs> apart of, from our hair colour. <laughs> yeah, apart, oh yeah, of course, our hair colour has literally got blonder. Um, apart from that, but the fact that the jacket's over, Sarah's now left, it's kind of like, it is opening the door for the possibility that she could continue down that way. Now we just want to find out or want to see what motiv- what what's going to motivate her to do it. Is it going to be the death of Quentin Lance if Quentin Lance dies, you know? Is something going to happen to Sarah that's going to make her, you know, go down that way? Or is Laura herself going to find her- herself in a situation where she's going to end up having to train up no matter what, you know? I'm going to be interested to see what mo- what motivation is going to bring her to become Canadian. I know for, you know, well, when I say I know, it's obvious you will become Canadian, you know. Um, but it's nice to know that they've kept Sarah alive in the sense that we know that she could come back because I did like the chemistry between mm. Oliver and, and Sarah. So it'd be nice to see Katie Lotes come back again in some capacity anyway, you know. It'd be hilarious if we had two black Canadians kicking about in a couple of seasons' time. But <laughs> still, it's it's nice to see what's going on. And 
I mean, yeah, as you said, it had laid the foundations, but I definitely don't think we're going to see her as Canary anytime soon. No. Um, the, the the story all along was good. The fight between... I don't know what was better. The fight in the tunnel between uh, Deathstroke's army and Team Arrow with the League of Assassins or the fight between Ollie and Slade that flashed back and forward, that just blew my mind. That was amazing and... I mean, we had, obviously we had Thea leaving as well, and she left the note for Roy, and the whole Arrow, Oliver giving Roy the mask, you know, and saying a friend told me once, blah, blah, blah. And, of course, we've got to touch on a bit before we get to the final part of the episode. Um, we got a, a nice wee trailer for a, a new TV show. Ah, this this TV. I mean, the trailer sort of went by in a flash, but you know, <laughs> it's uh, see what I did there. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, there's a nice, a nice. Uh, it was a good trailer. I like the teaser at first, which obviously looked like it's self self contained, nothing to do with the flash pilot or anything at all. Mm. Uh, so obviously, it opened up with um, Arrow and uh, practicing in a sort of like nice flat open ground, and uh, I I liked the fact that you got an idea as to how the two characters could bounce off each other with the sort of disgruntled arrow calling him a show-off. And then you have the sort of young, almost naive, I reckon he's going to be a young, naive Flash who's going to spend his the seasons that they're going to plan out learning the fact that, you know, there's no such thing as good and bad. It's all grey sort of idea. You know, he's going to find out that he, he can't trust anyone. And I think having Arrow in the pilot, which we've seen in the five-minute trailer, I think he's going to be the anchor for um, for Flash in the sense that, you know, I think when it comes to sort of heroic deeds, I could see Flash sort of jumping into Starlin City and asking advice from yeah. Arrow. Kind of like, how do you do this? How do you juggle the fact that you're, you're Arrow and Oliver Queen? I can see that kind of advice getting thrown around. Specifically in the pilot, part of me was a bit disappointed that Arrow was in the pilot. I was hoping that it was just going to be its mm. own thing. I like with it. With no references to it. But, I like you know. it though because it's, it is its own thing, but it's also like um, it's also it, it's it's bringing Arrow fans over who aren't familiar with comics that have just watched this, you know, on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it's definitely good. Yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's good, and I like what they're doing with the fact that they're trying to bring more viewers in by having Arrow in the yeah. pilot. But I just, I just felt that. You know, it's on its own thing. It shouldn't have to rely on Arrow, you know, and that's what I was meaning was more the fact that, like, you know, is this going to be, you know, are we going to find the fact that whenever it's, like, failing, they're just going to turn around and go, oh, we're going to introduce Arrow just to no. keep everyone sort of interested, you know? I don't think they will. I think they're a bit smarter than that, and we've seen that over season one and two, and even though season one at the time watching it, first off, was like, yeah, it was okay. In retrospect, when you realise what they were doing... They were, they done it perfectly in season one. It's just that they were drawing in the other audience that won't automatically watch an Arrow TV show slowly but surely. So I accept season one for what it is. And in the four-month break, I am going to watch season one and two in its entirety. And I can't wait for it because some of the episodes in season two, oh my God, just watching them all together. And then season one and looking... But we'll get into that next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I totally see where you're coming from, you know. And But I, again, the, the trailer itself looks brilliant, mm. you know. There's... There was just a plethora of DC uh, uh, DC references and Easter eggs of the Flash universe and the oh, yeah. DC universe as a whole. Like, I mean, we already now know that Weather Wizard is going to be um, is going to be sort of like the pilot villain. 
And I mean, see, two, three months ago, if you turned around to me and said, do you think Weather Wizard is going to be a villain that Flash will have to go up against? I would have laughed in your face because Weather Wizard, come on. But they've managed to seem to figure out a way to incorporate somebody with such a ridiculous title as well as uh, a sort of a reasoning behind how you can control some sort, some form of the weather. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also see uh, Reverse Flash as well, right mm-hmm. at the start of the trailer. And yeah, I mean, it, it's it's looking good. It's looking strong. And I'm going to be intrigued as to how they're going to incorporate Arrow into Flash as well. You know, are we just, is it going to be a, a constant sort of referral back and forth between the two? No. Or, or, or is it just going to be Flash that will refer to Arrow or will Arrow also refer to the Flash? You know, it'd be oh. interesting to see if, if season three of Arrow also incorporate the events of what happened in the Flash, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, having Felicity, I think Felicity's definitely going to be the bridge between the two seasons. You know, it, are we going to have maybe some mid-season episodes like they did with Grant Gustin in season two? We're going to have that sort of idea where maybe one or two episodes of Arrow season three will be focused around Flash as well. And will Flash also have one or two sort of Arrow-centric episodes? Mm. So it'll be interesting to see what they're doing. And I think CW are... Well, both series are obviously in good hands, you know, and it'll be interesting to see how how this pans out and what the effect's going to be for Arrow as well. You know, like, you know, is this going to make... Is the presence of the Flash going to change people's perspectives in Starling City about whether or not heroes should be allowed or should exist you know maybe the um the positive attitude that people in central city have for the flash could resonate in stalin city and might help arrow um become more of a hero figure after obviously right now i'm assuming stalin city citizens would be a bit pissed off of of him destroying the city when i say destroying the city i mean you know the fact that it was he was involved in it all you know maybe the positivity that central city has of having their own sort of iconic flash guy could be uh could be a, a, a good we sort of look into season three of arrow whether or not that could change people's perspectives over the vigilante maybe he'll start being called arrow rather than being called the vigilante as well you know um, well we'll get into more of that next week um we're going to touch on the final part that i wanted to talk about in the episode before we wrap up at the end of the finale we did get one thing it was another here's one i forgot to tell you earlier ollie said to Diggle when they were leaving the island, which is where they left Deathstroke, I'm flying. <laughs> I knew you were going to bring this in. <laughs> and he okay, said, continue on. <laughs> okay, he said, I'm flying. And Felicity went, hold on, thought you were in the island for five years. When did you learn to fly? So we get a flashback that shows us that at some point after uh, the Deathstroke fight, Ollie has been drugged and taken off the island to awaken in Hong Kong. And who's there? Miss Amanda Waller. Now, that is about all we got. So it's like, who? What? Why? Is he going to start the Suicide Squad? How did he learn to fly? And that's the part I wanted to talk about, Ross. <laughs> I'm just gutting myself right now because I, I had a funny feeling. I was like, all this through the entire episode, I was like, hang on a minute. Why have you not brought up your, your, your theory yet? Uh, yes, so obviously it's been hinted there that Oliver Queen knows how, learn, knows how to fly. And it's obviously been said that he's learned it when he was missing, he didn't know how to fly beforehand. We see him waking up in Hong Kong. I'm very intrigued to see these flashbacks in season three and what he was up to in Hong Kong and what he did to piss off Amanda Waller as well. So he gets sent also, back to the island, obviously, because obviously he gets sent back because when we first seen Ollie, exactly. he was back on the island. I have a funny feeling that he could um, he could be... I've got a funny feeling that he gets trained by uh, Argus, right? And then 
he gets told that he has to work for Argus, a bit like a sort of Suicide Squad style idea where he's like now their property and he refuses and he, he either A, escapes to the island to get away from Argus or B, he gets dumped there as sort of, when I say punishment, I mean like sort of, you know, dumped there as a sort of like this, you know, serves you right for not joining us. You know, you know too much. We're going to leave you stranded on this island and then that could open up something else. But bringing it back to the flight thing, obviously, uh, we have had a slight, small Easter eggs towards Ferris Airlines and, and the Ferris Airbase, specifically in the Flash trailer as well as we've seen some posters up for Ferris Airlines uh, in the Arrow uh, series. So there's another iconic DC character that uh, knows how to fly. And uh, that person could, may may well be the one that teaches Oliver how to fly. And that person is, Alistair? Nightwing. (laughs) (laughs) No, how, Jordan? Because they're friends. So it could be quite interesting to see if they do bring in a non-Green Lantern, Hal Jordan, during his his past... uh, experiences with Argus you know it, it, you know it could be like a sort of Hal Jordan before he even becomes Green Lantern sort of idea so and it'll be interesting to see if they do go down that route and if we do even get a verbal mention of Hal Jordan or if we do see a physical person it'll be interesting to see who they could cast as well as Hal Jordan will they Just could Christopher Pine. Could it be Christopher Pine? Could even Arrow, uh, the TV show, be able to pull in uh, my personal favourite, Ryan Reynolds, who's already played Hal Jordan, and I think he should, Hal Jordan, should stay like that. Anyway, (laughs) I can feel you dying inside. (laughs) Um, But in either way, it it would be nice to get a direct reference towards Hal Jordan one way or another, you know, uh, and the fact that they it felt like they intentionally set up the flight question for people to go, ah, could it be Hal Jordan or could it be Green Lantern? And so we've, seen, uh, we've even seen Ferris Airways uh, billboards and um, Flash, did we not? Yeah, that's yeah uh, uh, the 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 runway that yeah. Flash uh, originally tests its speed uh, is at Ferris Airbase. Yeah. And also, we've seen an aeroplane, a Ferris Airlines aeroplane in season one of Arrow near the end. Yeah, season one and in season two as well, you see the same sort of billboard. So basically, they have confirmed that if Ferris Airlines or Ferris Airbase is in the Arrow universe, that means that Hal Jordan's going to be in there no matter what. It's just a question of whether or not we're going to get a direct reference to Hal Jordan. And I really do want to see a direct reference. You know, I think I think that'll just show how serious Arrow are of setting up their own universe within the DC sort of side of things. And having somebody as iconic as Hal Jordan in the TV would then bring raise the questions on whether or not how the film side of things are going to respond. You know, will they continue on with Hal Jordan being Green Lantern and combine the TV and film? Or will they go down the route of James Stewart and still acknowledge Hal Jordan, but do it in such a way where it doesn't necessarily confirm that the two universes are the same i i just want hal jordan to appear to be honest yeah, yeah. and it could start up a decent road trip as well between the hal jordan and all that of that would be cool that would be cool as a way of escape if like hal jordan's the sort of outside contractor for argus and then like 
uh, he, he says that he wants to leave Argus and he ends up leaving with Hal Jordan, but Argus pursue him. They leave in a car to down a road, down Route 66, and uh, Argus are pursuing them and obviously they take Ollie and throw him back in the island. Yeah, there's some of that as well, or it could even turn out to transpire the fact that Ferris, um, Ferris Airbase have contracts with Argus, you mm. know, and, and Hal Jordan is one of the guys that sort of has to teach this new batch of um, recruits to Argus by teaching them how to fly would be quite an interesting sort of way to do it. But either way, as I said, it'll be it'll be awesome no matter what. I reckon uh, Starlin City Radio will go into a complete disappointing meltdown if it turns out to be just a random guy that teaches Ollie how to fly. And we're like, no! Yeah. <laughs> it could just be Joe Bloggs in Hong Kong. And it's like, what? <laughs> yeah, but still, I, I, I like to dream that uh, that Hal Jordan will be in it and I also would like to double dream as well that um, double dream <laughs> double dream that uh, Nightwing could have a reference in season 3 I mean <laughs> Bloodhaven was referenced so many times oh, in season yeah. 2 that come on it has to happen and, and the fact way. that Roy's had, uh, because they got him out of obviously his like sort of Miracurus madness he actually doesn't remember anything apart from heading towards Bloodhaven so what if he created some catastrophe there that somebody's coming looking for him yeah, exactly. It'd be interesting to see if Nightwing does come to Star and City on the tail of Roy after maybe murders have happened and we start seeing Roy and Nightwing fighting each other at first yeah. while Roy tries to explain that he doesn't know what's happened and then that's when Nightwing gets filled in. Which again, we're we're edging ever ever so closer towards the the, the sort of the main heroes via Nightwing to to Batman. But then, obviously, Hal Jordan were, were stepping right into the Justice League. So, uh, again, there's so many things and fees that could happen. And season three has just opened up a whole can of worms. That I'm just, I just cannot wait to see season three. I mean, we're just talking about the Justice League, the good side of things. We still have the fact that, you know, uh, John Barrowman is now a season regular. Oh, he's he's, um, he, he's in the League of Shadows. So, uh, sorry, uh, 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 League of Assassins. So, does that mean is Raz Al Ghul going to appear or Ra's Al Ghul, depending on how you pronounce it? So, you know, are, uh, you know, it's it, it's just opened up so much, and and hopefully Arrow uh, find a way to incorporate some more bigger names uh, or and direct references to bigger names as well um, for for the fans. Yeah, and you know fine well it could be the season five finale, no hint of Nightwing, and my prediction is going to be Nightwing. So, um, yeah, that's about it for <laughs> us here on Starling City this week. Tune in next week, and we're going to have a retro perspective on season two of Arrow. And remember to pick up Arrow Volume 2, the comic tie-in to the TV show. But, Ross, if the people, lovely listeners out there, want to get in touch with us other places, where can they do so? Yes, uh, you can f- uh, catch up on all our lovely podcasts over our website, starlandcityradio.tk. Uh, you can pretty much get every single episode uh, on there. Uh, you can find out everything that you want as well uh, concerning Starland City Radio. Also, feel free to like us uh, on Twitter, at Starland Radio, and head over to Facebook, Starland City Radio 2, and like us there. Please, please, please post up your questions and opinions about what you've heard over the, over, uh, the airwaves, and we'll be more than happy to discuss with you and answer your questions uh, on air. Um, yeah, especially what, what are your thoughts on, you know, on season three? Do you agree with our fees about Hal Jordan? You know, do you think other things could happen? It'd be great to get some feedback and, and you know, hear it all stuff. So, yeah, like us, 
uh, over in Facebook, Starling City Radio, and follow us at Starling Radio on Twitter. Awesome. So, yeah, that's about us for this week. Do not fear. Arrow may be gone, but Starling City will be filling in the place of... I think we're both better looking than Stephen Amell, but hey, that's a personal opinion. <laughs> uh, a false opinion. But um, anyway... <laughs> Thank you very much for sticking with us through Season 2 of Arrow. And like I said, stay tuned. We're possibly going to have some guests over the summer joining us from other podcasts, some other comic fans as well. We might even open it up to the listeners and get some phone-ins. Um, so, yeah, uh, that's been us tonight. Uh, I've been Ali and he's been Ross. And, Ross, would you like to finish off the listeners with a lovely quote that ties into our final discussion tonight? Hal and me, we were going to change the world. Sometimes I wonder what happened to us. Maybe caring went out of fashion. That's it, quite deep. Is. Maybe, maybe <laughs> it did. Is. Maybe it did. Okay. <laughs> so thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch you next time right here on Starling City Radio. Bye, folks. <laughs>